0: Hello, I'm Hyun-Sung Kang and welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. There are few who will not have been horrified by the images of the devastation resulting from the Japanese quake and tsunami earlier this year. The pictures of boats tossed aside like toys by giant waves, buildings toppled over like dominoes and whole communities lying shattered in piles of wood and concrete. But despite the magnitude of the disaster, according to some accounts, Japan is recovering faster than might be expected. But still, that hasn't stopped the world's third largest economy sliding into recession. I spoke to Ken Kang, a member of the IMF's Japan country team. I began by asking him how far the disaster was responsible for the downturn.
1: I would say almost entirely the dip in GDP in the second quarter this year is due to the earthquake. Prior to the earthquake, there were encouraging signs that Japan was emerging from its slow growth period. We saw some signs that the impact of fiscal stimulus uh, was helping to lift uh, spending of consumer durable goods, and exports were recovering nicely along with the global economy. Then the earthquake struck, and after that, essentially production shut down. And so we saw very sharp declines in exports and also on consumer spending uh, as households were reluctant to spend given the uncertainties about the outlook. So much of the decline, uh, almost all of the decline, I would say, is attributed to the uh, fallout from the earthquake.
0: So post the disaster, there was considerable concern about the impact of the disaster on the global supply chain. Many people will be maybe surprised to learn that actually Japan's role in global trade is not as big as one might expect, less than 10%. So what will be the impact on the global supply chain, do you think?
1: Right, that's an interesting question. I mean, Japan's share in the global economy is about uh, 9% of GDP, but its share in global trade is much lower at 5%. So initially one would think that the impact of the earthquake would be relatively modest, but what we were surprised and amazed to see was that Japan plays a very important role in the global supply chain, especially for automobiles and electronic products. Uh, In fact, Japan is a major provider of these processors that are used in automobiles, but also in intermediate goods for production of semiconductors and, and wafers. And what we saw after the crisis is that the affected regions, uh, the Kanto area and the Fukushima area, were home to many important suppliers of these, of these products. And once they shut down production, given the very complex nature of the global supply chain, production essentially shut down. So we did see sharp falls in production in some countries, for example Thailand, uh, Malaysia, and the Philippines, mainly due to Japan's central role in, in the supply chain. Now looking forward, we are seeing encouraging signs that companies in Japan have announced plans to restart production, uh, albeit at more moderate levels, and we expect the supply chain constraints to ease over the summer, along with uh, the improvements in the supply of electricity.
0: So you've spoken about encouraging signs of recovery, and we have had reports that, in fact, the affected area is actually recovering faster than we might expect. I know that you've been doing some comparisons with a previous disaster, the Kobe disaster. What are the similarities? What are the differences?
1: Looking back at the Kobe earthquake in 1995 may provide some clues as how to think about the impact of this earthquake. The earthquake this time obviously was much more severe than that in, in Kobe. The big difference this time is that the impact on the nationwide infrastructure for electricity was affected. And this affected a much broader area, the Kanto region, including surrounding Tokyo, which accounts for nearly 40% of the nation's economy. That has had a very strong impact on limiting production and weighing on sentiment. The other difference, I think, is that in the case of Kobe in 1995, production there was much less sophisticated than it is now. As I mentioned before, the global supply chain, especially for automobiles, involves something close to 30 to 40,000 parts. Uh, missing just a few of those parts can shut down the entire production process, and which is what we're, we're seeing now. Now in the case of Kobe, it was a very strong V-shaped recovery. But I think given the constraints on supply, uh, given the much broader impact and devastation, the, the size, the economic cost of this disaster is estimated almost double or more than double than that of Kobe, uh, we should expect a more moderate recovery uh, for Japan looking forward.
0: If there is any silver lining to this, this terrible disaster, I guess it's the fact that some people say that this could be used as an opportunity to look to addressing the structural problems which Japan has been confronting for over two decades now. For example, very recently, the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Khan, he said he wants to use this as an opportunity to try and address some of those problems like deflation, low growth and rising debt.
1: That's right. I, I think we'd agree fully that the earthquake does provide an opportunity for Japan to accelerate reforms uh, in many areas. Prior to the earthquake, Japan's economy was, was weak. Growth rates were anemic. It was suffering from mild deflation. And obviously, it had one of the highest levels of public debt in the world. Uh, now, the earthquake uh, will set back temporarily efforts in these areas and focus mainly on reconstruction. But I think over the longer term, uh, reforms to fix the fiscal position for example, by looking at the possibility of comprehensive tax reform to help improve the fiscal position as well as to pay, help pay for the cost of reconstruction, that could go a long ways in improving the fiscal health of Japan. In the area of structural reforms, I think uh, improvements in labor policies to make the labor market more flexible and to improve the uh, participation of women, in particular in the labor force as well as efforts to look at the restructuring of the small and medium-sized enterprises, which were heavily indebted and less profitable than the large corporations coming into the earthquake. Uh, I think in these areas, combined with reconstruction efforts, could help raise Japan's potential growth over the long term. And the key for Japan, I think, is to boost growth uh, in the face of a declining uh, population.
0: One of those um, reforms that you mentioned very early on in your response was the need for tax reforms. And in in your F&D article, you mentioned perhaps raising of the consumption tax. Now you're, you're suggesting raising it from present levels of 5% to perhaps 15%, 20%. And I'm sure that many Japanese would look aghast at that proposal and say, how could you possibly suggest a threefold increase? What would be the defense of that?
1: Well, I think it's important to, to look at it in the, in the longer, uh, longer term context. Uh, Japan's consumption tax, its VAT rate at 5% uh, is low by international standards, which is closer to 15 to 20%. So there is room to raise, uh, in a gradual fashion, Japan's consumption tax to help improve the fiscal position. At the same time, there is a need to look on the spending side as well, particularly on entitlements in Social Security, in ways to, to cap that spending growth. So a combination of comprehensive tax reforms focused on raising the consumption tax with entitlement reform uh, could definitely help uh, strengthen fiscal consolidation. Now obviously there is an issue about the timing of the consumption tax increase and we have to be mindful that we need to safeguard the recovery. For us we think that uh, in the next year or so when the economy starts to recover uh, that's a time when to to consider uh, modestly raising the consumption tax to embark on fiscal consolidation.
0: Now finally you're um, going to embark on a visit to Japan tomorrow in fact What do you expect to find when you go and visit this country which has had this really traumatic episode in its recent past?
1: Well, we expect to see the obviously the resilience of the Japanese uh, people on display in Japan. They have gone through, particularly the bureaucrats, uh, the officials have gone through many crises, not just earthquakes, but also financial crises. And they have they have experience, they have knowledge and the expertise uh, to handle the situation. And we've seen that very clearly in the immediate response uh, after the earthquake. Now, of course, we will expect to see um, Stores to be less full and restaurants to have fewer uh, customers. But over time, as the supply side constraints ease, as the electricity situation improves, as people have a better handle on the impact of the earthquake, confidence will start to rise. And I think spending as a result will uh, recover. So we should see uh, Tokyo and the rest of Japan uh, return to normal uh, fairly quickly. And again, if the government can embark on these reforms that uh, we discussed earlier, that could help boost confidence over the medium term. And that's, I think, what we're hoping for uh, to come out of this earthquake.
0: And that was Ken Kang of the International Monetary Fund's Japan Country Team who's also co-authored an article on the impact of the Japanese disaster in this month's issue of Finance and Development magazine. And you can find that and much, much more on www.imf.org forward slash F and D.